Hey everyone, welcome back to a special edition of the 20% Podcast Live. This is the show where we bring you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. And I'm so excited for today's episode, having two unbelievable guests. The first guest is one of the few women who intentionally went into B2B sales because the sky's the limit. She started as an SDR and BDR roles, working through a full cycle rep throughout the course of her career. She is also one of the OGs in the women in sales movement. And our second guest has been selling over the past 10 years in similar roles before becoming the CEO of Women in Sales. Both these guests have more words that I could even name. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, both Alexine Mudouar and Lori Richardson to the 20% Podcast. Welcome both to the show. Sorry, <laughs> had you both on mute. Technical oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Awesome. It's so great to, to chat with you both. Obviously, uh, you're both alums of the 20% podcast and have been able to, to build some great relationships and have some great conversations since. But I'm really excited to talk about today's episode, talking about the past, present, and future of the women in sales movement. So you both ready to, uh, to chat about this? Yeah. Perfect. So Lori, let's, let's start with you. Take us back to but what I love to do on the 20% podcast is talk more about uh, our guests, um, uh, their experience and their history before diving into the actual topics of the show. So uh, besides the, the, um, the introduction that I already did, you've, you've held a number of roles, done a, a bunch of things. Tell us who Lori was as a child and some of those early years as well. <laughs> wow. We go way back. Um, but let's talk about how I got into sales, maybe it would be a good thing. I, I grew up in a family run business. Uh, my grandmother had uh, upscale women's apparel stores, and I grew up in them. And all through middle school, I would walk from school to my grandmother's store every day after school. And so ultimately, I wanted to be a teacher. And so I became, uh, I actually got married early and I became a mom and then I got divorced because it was an abusive, physically abusive relationship where I literally left for my life with my son. And ultimately I thought, you know, I want to make money that, that my male uh, colleagues make. And so I looked into lots of non-traditional jobs because teaching just didn't pay much. And I just somehow I, I honed in on technology. Um, the tech boom was really big back then when I was in my early 20s. This is when way back, way, way in the way back time machine, when um, computers were being, they, they started to call them personal computers. Instead of at work, they had mainframes and mini computers, these giant computers that took up rooms. And we were going to put a personal computer on every desk. And um, and so I got started in tech back then. And I made commission and a base salary. Initially, I only had commission and I was scared to death. Um, but I worked with a lot of people who were having a great time and we sold a ton of stuff. And I went from one one company to the next, um, mostly being a, a, a distributor type uh, tech company. So I worked in the channel. It was really channel sales. And I did that um, for years. And, and that's how I was able to, you know, be a contributor in society. I was able, even though I was a single mom with the stats against us at, at a very young age, I was able to, you know, buy a home and volunteer and, and be on committees and help the community. And that's what sales can do for, for people, women in particular, who might be in the same position as a single parent. 
Wow, that is a, a phenomenal story. First and foremost, I think it's uh, an incredible to hear that you've take it, took in, taken such a, a negative experience and ultimately able to turn it around into everything that you're, that you're building out today. And I'm sure that there's a lot of skills that you leveraged, uh, that you used as a teacher that you used throughout the, uh, the course of, uh, of your selling career as well. One other point as well, I love that you started in the, the IT type world is that's where I got my first start in sales too. So I knew that there was, there was another connection here, Lori. So, um, so I'm sure we could probably talk a bunch about that. But instead of talking about that, Alexine, let's hear about your story. And, and first and foremost, could you believe that there was a world without personal computers on every desk? Can we talk about that first? <laughs> I do. I think I was in the last generation where we had like the pre-computer very for a very finite amount of time. And then and then grew up with that because I do remember like being in middle school and like working on like typing things up and then it would like delete your whole document and you'd have to start again and it would happen with like papers for school all the time and I would just be devastated. So I do remember the pre-PC and the post-PC world. So um, there, I know that much, uh, but you know, uh, it's a relic now, so it's exciting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, my start really similarly to... Lori, I grew up uh, with both of my parents. Uh, they were both entrepreneurs. My dad had his own consulting company, but he also teaches full-time at Purdue University. And then my mom owns a restaurant and catering business still to this day. And so much of my childhood, I spent growing up in the restaurant, actually. So she would have like events and caterings and wine tasting things. So I grew up around people all the time. I was always talking to people. And the way that I got my first commission plan that I always talk about is she had a storefront. Um, so I would always go through and figure out like, what is the product of the day that I want to sell off? And so it could be a jam, it could be some kind of like salsa, whatever it was. And I get like this box of inventory and it was my goal to sell it off before the end of the day. And then in exchange, I would many times get a beanie baby, which was my early commission plan that I loved. And so, um, so when I think back, um, a lot of times I would kind of like lurk by the cash register and I'd be like, oh, I see you're checking out with these different goods. Have you tried this salsa? Like, it's very delicious. This is like one of my favorites. Here are like some of the taste notes that you'll find in it. And so I really think that was like my earliest sales experience. And then after that, I started doing a lot of door to door. So like every time they had those school school drives or different things where we had catalogs, I would literally canvas my entire neighborhood, my neighboring neighborhood, and I was notorious for doing these contests and I would always win. Like I was so hungry and so determined. I would set notes and reminders. Like if someone wasn't home, I would literally come back like five or six times until I could find a time that they were actually home. Uh, so I really think okay. that was my earliest sales experience. And I don't know, I had a lot of fun with it. And I loved the little prizes. You get like a, a radio or something. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, yeah not competitive much, are you? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I'm like, it makes sense that I ended up in sales. But, you know, much like everybody else, I didn't necessarily intend to go into sales post post graduating. But, you know, we all kind of fell into this somehow and then fell in love with it. Yeah. And I think that's what and, and I couldn't agree more with you. I think most of us, uh, I think we, we all align on kind of falling into sales. And I think um, that's why I'm so passionate. I know you both are as well of trying to elevate that profession, right? And, and saying yeah. like, hey, there's so many tangible skills from a, what Lori mentioned from a financial perspective, from the skill development. I mean, there's so many good things and there's so many great sellers out there that um, the negative stigma of sales is something of the used car saleswoman, uh, salesman or saleswoman um, is, is a thing of the past. Now, I think it's really interesting too, um, Alexina, on, on the other point, they don't quite make the um, commission plans like they did back in the 90s with the, the Beanie Baby. So maybe we need to start bringing <laughs> some of, of that back. Um, 
But I think it's both interesting that you both have these parallels of having entrepreneurs in your in your family and having uh, in, in really uh, immersing yourself in some of those experiences. And you were doing it before you even really knew it. What's the what's the what's the most important thing for for anybody out there um, to gain as much experience as you possibly can? Um, because you never know how that's going to take you. And I guess we'll, we'll start with you on that, Lori. Well, again, before you get into sales, you mean, Tyler? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, before sales, during sales. I mean, I think yeah. just, the, the you know, especially I, I like to focus on those experiences early in our life because yeah. we really don't know how foundational or, or how crucial that's going to be to success later on as well. well. I think the service industry is a really great uh, predecessor to sales because, especially people that are in hospitality, um, restaurants, bartenders, you know, that some of the best salespeople that I've seen, Kate, some of us did that. I, I was a server in a Greek restaurant, actually. And also that I did that part time when I was a teacher. And then I was also a preschool teacher. So I, I think those types of things can lead and people that are in retail now, there's a whole bunch of um, you know, I've seen some downsizing of stores. I saw that the the big flagship uh, Nordstrom store in downtown San Francisco is closing. Um, there's some great people that are very service minded that could be potentially um, professional B2B sellers um, through some of those places. And I don't think everyone is good at sales because it is a hard job. And I, I believe in assessing talent, um, but there are some really good potential folks there. I love that. Alexine, what else do you have to add to that? So I think for myself, I was always a little bit nervous talking to people. Like even though I was around people all the time, I still had this like layer level of anxiety around just like conversing. And so for me, I think the most helpful thing that I did early on was just force myself into the discomfort of that. So I did the door to door. I was at the restaurant. I was talking to people. Um, and it took like many years to get more comfortable. And even like into my earlier career, I still felt like some of that same discomfort when I was starting to cold call again. But I think that kind of like predecessor helped me become better than long term because I realized, okay, I'm cold calling, I'm feeling uncomfortable. These conversations are really hard. But I also remember feeling this way 10, 15, whatever years ago when I was just starting to do door to door. I was working at my mom's restaurant. And if I was able to make it through that, then I can absolutely make it through this. So I think like those early conversation skills and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, even when it feels rough and even when you mess up a few times, I think that's all incredibly critical. Yeah. And I'm sure you're probably not pushing yourself out of your, uh, obviously taking the role as a CEO now from a, an individual contributor, which, you know, to, if anybody, anybody on the uh, um, listening uh, follows Alexine on, on uh, LinkedIn, she's constantly talking about how she's just still an individual contributor just uh, with the CEO title as well. Do you have anything else to add on that, Alexine? I'm, a, I'm an SDR. Um, I'm a, if anybody asks me, I'm like, I'm an SDR that also like has to do accounting and bookkeeping and stuff like that. Now, um, Lori was actually a great resource for me, like when I was making that transition, because she made the same transition. And so um, gave me like some ideas even on I remember Lori, like you talked to me one day about setting my own comp plan. She's like, you don't get to take 100% of the commission, you have to set aside a percentage to take care of taxes, and you need to set up your own commission structure. And I have my, my quota. I have my stretch quota. I'm considering adding a stretchy stretch quota because I feel like I wasn't ambitious enough this year. So yeah, award if you hit, you know, so many conversations 
this week mm. or, you know, you close some business because I do that still. That's how I buy technology. Usually I'll buy a new watch or, you know, something mm. based on hitting my goal. Okay. I'm like a dinner. I'm like a, I, I'm a big foodie in Chicago. So maybe yeah. I get myself like a little Michelin yeah. dinner spiff yeah. contest going alone. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Tyler, I did that when I was a rep too, when I was what would have been an SDR and then I was an AE. Um, I, if I had a manager who wasn't very motivational and, and I had 23 managers in my career and some were awesome, some were awful, and the awful ones didn't care. And, and and the ones when I had a situation like that, I would just set my own goals. And I, I didn't really, I'd do whatever I had to do for the company, but I, mot- I motivated and inspired myself because you're like an entrepreneur of your territory. And, and like Alexine, you could transition into being an entrepreneur be- because you did that. You had that mindset already. Yeah, I love that. Just on that point as well, before we jump into the uh, the, the women in sales, it's um, talking about that transition. Alexine, how was that? Uh, how was that move from individual contributor to um, to starting your own thing as well? Because I'm, I'm that, thinking about that, you know, um, could be daunting to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, definitely scary. I feel like I had a full scale identity crisis maybe like four or five months ago, where I was like am I good enough? Can I do this? Um, I mean, the difference was I had been running this business behind the scenes while working full-time as a strategic account executive for, um, for almost two years. And so I definitely had like the foundation. I was doing these things off to the side. And for me, it almost felt like a sense of guilt. I was like, I'm not giving myself an opportunity to see how good this could be or how big this could get because I'm not giving a hundred percent of my brain. I could only give whatever's left after working my full-time job. And so I think the transition initially was like kind of a freak out because I was like, I don't, you know, I don't have like a set day. I don't have my hours. And really over the last, the last quarter was my first full quarter in my CEO role. And I really felt like I started to kind of like come into myself a little bit more where I was like, all right, I know that my day needs to look like this. I know that I need to get back to doing my calendar block system. I need to get my color coding system back. I got a CRM in place. I need to get my notes system. Once I started to get like the systems and the organization methods that I used as an account executive back into place, then it started to like really click for me. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Like this makes sense. This is very second nature to me. And I've done this before at other startups. So there's like, I can do this again for my own. And so I feel like initially definitely a little bit rocky, I'm having a really good time right now. And I feel like that's something that would have been hard for me to say a couple of years ago while working full time somewhere else. I just feel really passionate about the projects I'm working on, about the companies that I'm working with and the work that I'm doing. And I haven't been able to say that many times in my career. So I just feel, I think, overall incredibly grateful now. I love that. And Lori, I know you're loving everything that you're, you're doing as well. Could you just talk on, you know, just, uh, you know, cause I know I'm getting inspired by hearing some of your conversation and how excited you are and happy you are. And and ultimately how you've taken that experience that you had in the past and you're still leveraging all of that same time blocking and the SDR stuff. And literally like, I'm all about, you know, as we all fell into sales, it's all about taking that, the transferable skills from one area, even if it's outside of, of, uh, tech teaching of anywhere else and being able to leverage it somewhere else is it's super inspiring to hear uh, how how pumped you are and how how well you're doing as well Lori how did you feel when when Alexine was talking about that and what kind of experiences have you had similar to that well I, I love hearing about Alexine's success because she is one of literally a handful I mean 
on fingers. I can put up three fingers maybe of, of someone that's doing this full time um, and, and who has this passion and commitment to helping get more women into sales and sales leadership. I, you know, I've had that passion for a long time. And so I, I, I love it when other voices are saying the same things. I, I, I get tired of hearing myself. I think other people do too. They're like, oh no, it's her again. <laughs> and so, so I'm thrilled that Alexine is bringing new ideas and new, you know, sponsors and new companies that want to help make a difference because we have a long way to go. It's an uphill battle. Um, we've lost women instead of gaining them. And, uh, and we know that women can be so fantastic in, and sales leadership roles. We just need more of them. Yeah. And, and that's why I was so excited to have you both. And I think this leads us perfectly into our, our segment of talking about um, the evolution of the women in sales movement, right? And Lori, I know I mentioned in my introduction that you, uh, I consider you one of the OGs just as, um, as they've been doing it for, uh, for a good amount of years at this point. But yeah. besides just trying to, um, you know, as you mentioned, making the same amount of money as some of your male counterparts, can you tell us about what the history of women in sales looked like and ultimately how it's kind of shifted over the course of the years? Well, business was built by men and sales was built by men. And there weren't a lot of women for a long, long time. And so um, when I got into tech sales, I was one of just a few women. Actually, my first position I had a couple other female peers and everybody, it was just an awesome group. And there was no issue about being a woman or not. We were all young and we were just really focused on selling technology. Um, but my second, uh, the second role that I had at a different company, that's where they had never hired a woman for field sales. And so I had to jump through all of these hoops and interviews and, and all on and on. And ultimately I closed a huge deal within 90 days uh, um, over a million dollars. And I kind of showed them, you know, that I had some capabilities because it wasn't anything anyone had been working previously to me coming there. So, um, so that's kind of how, how I started. And it, I was an only for a long, many different companies. And it wasn't until I had my own consulting company that I saw that I was coming in speaking to sales leaders and they were mostly male and it just seemed so crazy. This was back in 2015. Um, but we had been trying to get women on main stages at sales conferences from, you know, I'm thinking 2005, 2006. Um, my mentors were Jill Conrath who wrote four books on selling and she's, you know, still on LinkedIn, although she's not engaged in sales right now, she's um, working on bigger ideas on bringing people together, which is really cool. And Trish Bertuzzi, who um, would speak up too when we saw an all-male panel or all men on the main stage. And, it, and we'd be like, you know, why don't you have women on, on the stage? And, and so we worked like that over time to make changes. And I just, I'm, you know, I just am still around and they're not, you know, as much. So um, so there, there are some other OGs that pre preceded me and, um, and I hope that people get to know who they are as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'm sure that those are probably some of, uh, of Alexine's mentors and some of the, uh, the, the folks that she's looking up to as well. How would you say, Lori, things have changed as we're, we're starting to move from that 2005, 2015, now we're in uh, 2023. 
as, it, as we're moving over time, have you seen massive changes as a result of this movement? Or, or, or tell us a little bit more about how you've seen things change. And ultimately, I think it's a, it'll be a good segue into what, what we're doing now and ultimately what we could do yeah. in the future as well. Well, from a numbers standpoint, we haven't seen massive change. But what we have seen is we've seen companies and individuals and male allies like yourself, Tyler, and, uh, and you know, we could, Alexine and I could probably list, I bet, 30 or 40 men who just off the top of our heads, there's probably a lot, you know, there's probably hundreds. No, Jeff Bajorek, Larry Long Jr., just a couple yeah. of people that I consider mentors as well for myself, I know are, are really yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. And who will speak up and say, hey, well, Alexine is also really competent for that role. Have you thought of her? And, and, you know, that didn't happen a lot in the past um, previously. And, and I think that the guys would just kind of hear, you know, or just note, maybe notice something, but not say anything. And now men will speak up and I'm really appreciative to all the male allies because that's how we're going to make change. That's how we'll make change happen in the future. We can't do it. Alexine and I can't just talk to each other and talk to all the other, <clears throat> all the other women <clears throat> and make change happen. So that's part of it. And then the other is that <clears throat> companies, excuse me, I'll, I'll pass to Alexine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I will add. So, you know, of course, my experience is over the last 10 years. And when I started at my very first company, you know, I was one of very few women on the team. Um, I just wrote an article that I shared with Lori about this, too, where as I look back, I um, you know, even over the course of the next few months in that first role, all of a sudden, like the few women that were on the team started to dwindle really quickly. And then, you know, I thought maybe the next company, there'll be more women. So I only worked for, for tech startups for that entire 10 years. And every company I went to was predominantly men on the team. And so I realized, you know, though I've changed companies, though I've changed like sectors, what I'm selling, if enterprise, you know, da da da, I continued to be on teams that were predominantly filled with men. And one of the big themes I talked about um, yesterday on a podcast that was really tough, and it took me years to kind of like come back around. And it's probably part of the reason I'm really passionate about what I do now is a lot of that time behind the scenes, I was getting pitted against the one or two other women on the team. And it was really ugly. And I feel icky about it. It makes me feel bad to this day. But I also can see how I was put in those positions. So I remember being in one-on-ones and I had one manager, every one-on-one -on -one he would start and he'd say, don't you want to be, don't you want to beat the other girl on the team? Like, don't you want to, you know, and he used her name, of course, but he's like, don't you want to be better than her? And finally, like one of my one-on-ones, I was like, not really. There's 20 people on the team. There's only two of us. Like if we're 19 and 20, who cares? Like we're both suck then. So <laughs> I was like, I really don't, I mean, if she's number one, then yeah, I do want to beat her. But if, if we're at the, the back of the pack or if she's not like one of the leaders on the team, then no, I don't want to beat her. And so I feel like it took me months and months of like going through one-on-ones like that and just being around some frankly, really toxic managers. And then I had some wonderful managers as well, but that's one of the big themes that we, we don't talk about and it's kind of hush hush still, but I'm not the only woman that got pit against other women on their team when there was only one or two of us. And it was very much built from a, a, a scarcity mindset and, and so a lot of the work that I'm doing today, not only like within the community, but also within myself is like reinstilling this abundance mindset. Like there can be, like, I think about women in sales organizations. My company is not the only one. There are several incredible organizations focused on helping women in this field. They are not competitors. They are doing things that are also helping women progress in our fields. And so 
if I'm on a call even today and a company, a potential partner asked me like, who are your competitors? I won't answer. I will literally say, we don't have competitors today. And they'll say, well, why should we invest in you versus them? And I'll say, maybe you shouldn't, like, maybe you should invest in both. If you have the financial capacity, I think that'd be a really good thing. And so some of this is just rewiring all in it ourselves. And some of it's rewiring things that have done, been done historically in our fields. But I think you kind of have to work on both sides because we still have a lot of progress, you know, as Lori said, and this last few years alone has put us even further back in some ways. We lost a lot of women during this like COVID and now this layoff, this layoff piece and not just women, but just diversity on teams in general has taken a huge step back the last few years. And for every woman in tech uh, in leadership that's retiring, um, that, no, two are retiring for every new woman that's coming up in tech as a leader, something that I just saw recently. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, there have been great women leaders, but they're done. You know, they they don't want to deal with it anymore. They're starting their own thing. They're they're mm -hmm. going off on their own, or they're just retiring. And so there are, there's a lot of opportunity. And the other thing, Tyler, that I think is really important that I don't think we talk enough about is that when a a woman gets into a sales role, and if she has kids, if she's a, a single parent, which there are a lot of single parents out there looking for opportunities, um, it's a game changer. It can get a woman out of poverty. Mm -hmm. and, and we know that worldwide when women get out of poverty, and, and I'm not putting men down, but I'm just saying that the research about women getting out of poverty is that they improve the whole community. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, not only did I become a, you know, a homeowner when I got into sales, but I was able to be on, on different community boards and, you know, I gave back and I, I donated my time and things like that. And it's, that's not just me. That's what women do. You know, mm -hmm. we help our elders and we help we're nurturers by nature, you know, by how we were, when we've all been raised. And so it's a huge thing. And we know of stories, Alexine and I both know of women who have gotten out of poverty and who have gotten out of living in a motel with their kids Mm -hmm. and have, you know, got into full-time tech or just sales careers in general. So it's not just what, it doesn't just benefit the company. It also benefits society. Yeah. And that makes a, a, makes a ton of sense as well. And you think about it, like if you're, if you're so focused on in like a, I think of that, uh, you know, that maybe this was you a couple uh, years ago, right? That single mother who's just trying to provide or somebody who's yeah. listening in right now, if you're so focused on, uh, your fight or flight, right? If you, if you're not mm -hmm. able to pay the bills, you, you only have enough time to focus on, I need to spend, uh, I need to spend all my time making money, or I need to take that yeah. second or third job. That's one of the core reasons why I think it's important for everybody to try to, to uh, get into uh, not, maybe not everybody sales isn't for everybody, but um, there's so much uh, potential upside of it as a result, yeah. because you know, to that point, if you're able to, to get on a good financial footing, you have that ability to go in and, and you have more of an abundance mindset, right? Is that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Now, a question for both of you as well, because it sounds like, um, you know, Alexine mentioned that she had to, uh, over time, she had to, to speak up or stand up for herself. Um, and I'm sure, Lori, you've, you've had some of those experiences as well. Alexine, starting with you, what's your best piece of advice for, you know, say we, I have a, a one-year-old daughter or, or that person who, who has a, a daughter or somebody who's a woman in sales right now? What, it, what is your best piece of advice for um, being able to, to speak up for yourself and stand up for yourself if you're in one of those, uh, those really tough situations? 
believe in your capabilities. You were hired for a reason. So if you're in a role, if you're at a company, there was a reason that you were hired and placed in the first place. And so understanding that, you know, it, it may be you, it may not be you. It may just be the environment you're in. And maybe you just need to change environments or companies or company cultures or managers. And so I think just reminding yourself always that there's a reason that you were hired. There's a reason that you have this skill set. And you can always get better and you can always change circumstances if you need to. So just just keeping those reminders, I think just reminding yourself that you're good at this. You're good at sales. You're good at what you do. And, you know, just keep staying in that abundance mindset, staying focused on how to improve long term, I think is the best place to be. I love that. Lori, what, what do you have to add to that? Well, I have so many things to say, but <laughs> one that comes to mind is... Um, when if someone says something that might be inappropriate or sounds like it might be inappropriate to you, which happens to a lot of women in sales, um, first of all, train the people around you to stick up for you. Like in meetings, if someone has your idea that you've already mentioned, you know, to to meant to say, hey, I think that was Alexine's idea. Uh, that's a great idea. I'm glad you like it. But also, um, we we did the She Sells Summit recently. We had a panel and a woman came on and she was on the road in uh, a sales role. She was in a city meeting with um, uh, someone who's the head of sales and she was wanting to talk to another company. And this gentleman said that he knew the, the leader of that company. And he said to her, um, I'll send him your photo. And... <laughs> And she was like, like, what do you say? I mean, she's an attractive woman. And he basically was saying, you know, if he sees you, he'll want to meet with you. And, you know, it's it, for us, many of us women find that very disgusting. That's disgusting. And, That's disgusting for males as well, for the record. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. And, and so you need to know how to come back from something like that. When mm. if someone says something that, it, it, and without just jumping on him and, and making it awkward. I mean, he's a prospect, right? And sitting in front of her, she doesn't want to alienate herself. And that's a tough situation. Many of us have been in over the years, Alexi, and I'm sure you have stories too. And, you know, what, know what to say if, if something like that happens and turn it into a positive, like, hey, well, why don't you send on my website? Because that'll show some of the value that we offer. And we have some case studies on there, you know, and just kind of go with it. I, I just think this woman was stunned. She had no idea what to say. She's younger. And, and I just think we need to be prepared for things like that. Yeah. That, that number one, that's, that's really disgusting. And I would have said, send, send my resume and let that do the talking, right? I've been able to do A, yeah. B, and C. It doesn't matter. Take my name off of it as well. Right. If, if somebody's able to, and may, that might be an interesting little, little uh, project as well of taking strip, stripping people's names from their resume and seeing, yeah. is this person qualified? Because it, it, it shouldn't matter male, female, um, right. whatever gender you, uh, you know, you resonate with. Right. Um, I, that doesn't matter. It's can this person actually do the job? Alexine, did you have any other thoughts based upon what Lori just said as well? Yeah, I think it's, it is tough. I think when you're in a predominantly, um, you know, male field or, or any field where you're kind of an other or any role where you're sort of an other on the team, it's, it, it can be really challenging. One of my favorite strategies, I, I saw this on an Instagram actually like a while back, um, an Instagram post and 
Um, they said, whenever someone says something inappropriate or something that you dislike, you say, you just say, what do you, what do you mean by that? And then it forces them into this like horrible thing where they like, if they said something like really gross or like awful or egregious, you're like, Oh, what did you, you say it really inquisitively. And you're like, right, what, do you, what do you mean right? by that? And they're like, <laughs> Oh, and then like the, the hook's gone for them. Like their joke's gone. And then you're just oh, left with like, oh gosh, like, how do I explain this? Yeah. So I've done that too. Like where someone will say something like really weird. Um, I had a guy many years ago who is a sales leader today. Um, and he was like, we need to hire um, more like really good looking young women for the sales team. And I was like horrified because I was like, what? like you just walked up to me and I was the, we were the last two in the office. Like it was such an uncomfortable situation. And I was like, Oh, what do you mean? Why is that? And he was like, you get the joke. It's fine. Like, he's like, just laugh it off. And I was like, Oh, what do you mean? What's the joke? And we just like had this awful banter. And I don't think he talked to me for like six months after that. It was like the most wonderful six months of my life where I didn't have to deal with it again. And, um, and it just kind of like drew that boundary really quickly. So that's just, if you're dealing with things like that, I think there are absolutely situations where things should be reported and depending on what type of company you're with, um, some of those will get taken care of. Some, some companies will brush things under the rug and that might be a sign. Like these are companies to potentially get away from. And, um, but I do like that little strategy. It's something I use to this day now. And, and, and our male nothing. allies need to speak up too. Yes. You know, that, that's like to say, like Tyler, you said, that's disgusting. You know, that's what we need more of that. No, yeah. absolutely. And, and on that point as well, Alexine, we'll, we'll stick with you on, on this one as we, we continue on. For what do you believe? I know we talked about uh, male allies and, and trying to, to help. What would someone like myself or Jeff or Larry or somebody who is considering like saying, hey, I know that these things are right, aren't right, but I'm, I'm, I haven't been actually doing anything about it yet. What do you think the male's role is in trying to, to help elevate the, the women in sales movement as well? I think Jeff is actually a really good example. So Jeff Bajoric has been with women in sales. He's a community member of women in sales, and he has been with us since the very beginning. So over two years, he ran a book club session for us yesterday. Like he has embedded himself within the women in sales community. He shows up to conversations. He shows up to our events. If people are asking for help in the form of like a resume review or um, some kind of like demo practice, like he'll raise his hand for that. He has helped mentor and support other women that are in, in our community even, and I'm sure in other communities as well. And I think that's a, a perfect example. Show up to these places, listen to the conversations, learn, understand what some of the challenges are so that you can then take that back and be more aware of when these situations are coming up. Because um, I'm sure his level of awareness in the last few years alone has changed significantly. And, and so I think it's really important to be aware of what some of the challenges are, be part of some of those conversations. Don't necessarily show up to like talk the whole time, but like, listen and hear people's stories and be present and, and then take those with you. And so that way to Lori's point, if you're in a meeting and you see someone like a woman on the team constantly getting talked over, or people are repeating things, the ideas she said, and they're getting credit for it all of a sudden, then you can very simply like have a kind of a talk track of like, Hey, I, I believe that was something that Lori shared just a few minutes back. So why don't we let her continue to talk through what that idea was when she initially suggested it. And like, it, and it creates these, this ability to kind of identify those situations more easily. So that's why for, at least for women in sales, for, for our community, 
um, the big focus since the very beginning was keeping men engaged in the conversation and allowing them to be part of these events and allowing them into the community. So long as like people weren't doing anything egregious or kind of overstepping. And it's been over two years. We've not had any situations like that with men. Like people have shown up and they've been amazing. Some of these people have helped me through situations. And I, I really think that's the first step is like showing up being part of the conversation, not necessarily leading it, but, but participating yeah. or just taking in the information that you're hearing and, and figuring out what you want to do with that later. So yeah, I actually think Jeff's an awesome example. Yeah. That big shout out to Jeff as well. I'm gonna have to send him a message after this <laughs> as well, or, or send him the recording of, uh, yeah. of all the, the kind words. Um, I think it, I think you nailed it on the head though. I think it's just an awareness thing because some of, I, I mean, obviously being a part of the, these communities or, or, or being, a, I think awareness is, is huge, right. Of just understanding. Cause a lot of the times I may not necessarily see something that, that Alexine sees or Lori sees as an issue, or if there's any, any other um, outside of like um, gender or race or religion or, or whatever it is, if you're not aware of those situations and being open about it, you may not necessarily know uh, where some of those issues are. Lori, over to you now, or including everything that, that Alexine mentioned, what else do you think that, uh, that males could be doing better in this, this space as well? Yeah, I love what Alexine said about um, being involved. We need more men involved. And the listening piece is the part that is so important. We, we don't need to be told how to solve our problems necessarily. We don't need all the men to come and tell us how to do that. We can take some ideas and, you know, in, in different doses, it's really helpful, but um, listen, we want you to listen and to understand our point of view because our point of view is different in many cases um, than some of the men that, that we're um, in, in and around in our professional careers. So that's really important. And like I said before, women talking among themselves can't solve the issue of, women being underrepresented at every level in B2B sales. So we need um, men to step up and say, you know what, there's two, um, two, two spots open. Um, let's look for some more women applicants. And, and it, it might be harder because maybe women haven't applied. And so now you have to go and look for some potential candidates that takes effort. And, and I think that, we're seeing that in some companies where they are having a good representation of, of men and women and, um, and, they're, and they're doing really well in terms of revenue, uh, revenue growth. No, absolutely. And, and one of the things to that, to the point of trying to hire more females into these roles as well, and, and on the applying piece, I, I love the fact that I started to see on some job applications, it says at the bottom, I don't know if you've, you've either of you noticed, but, um, starts to say like, uh, most women will not, uh, apply to this role because they think that they're under that they don't meet all of the requirements but urging folks to still apply as a result of that what what are your some of your your thoughts on that alexine we'll we'll start with you yeah i would say part of that work the onus is on us like lori's a huge a huge leader in the women in sales community i'm doing work behind the scenes um we're launching new content we're launching partnerships that are focused on negotiation strategies and tactics and asking for the money you deserve and renegotiating when you're working for a company and so i think you know there's there's two sides there's kind of like the company side of making sure they're prioritizing you know diversity as one of the initiatives when they're hiring and they're making sure the language within their job requisitions is not deterring certain candidates that they're doing i love those reminders 
Um, but then there's the other side too, which I think can be very much community led, which is now let's take the members themselves and start to educate them and upskill them so that they know that they can apply to these roles so that they know that they can ask for more money so that they know that these companies expect them to ask for more money. So we are leaving money on the table, but these are things we can correct as well. And so I think that's, that's a lot of the work, um, that, that goes on behind the scenes. And I'm very bullish and optimistic that over the course of the next year plus, we'll start to make great strides in that. And I would love to continue to hear from more women like, hey, I went back and like asked for a little bit more. I asked for more money. I asked for a few more benefits. I did this. And I love hearing those stories. Like they just get me so excited because I also made those same mistakes. Like I didn't negotiate in, a, in early roles. And then when I did later, I was like, where did all this money come from? Could I have done this all along? Like, I was like, honestly, really annoyed. Like one of my last roles, one of the offers I got because they just added in like so much stuff at the very end after I like went back and negotiated. And I was like, I could have done this many, many times over. And I just left so much money on the table. So I think what we can do is take a lot of those learnings and, and things that we learned the hard way in our career. And we owe it to the folks that are coming up right now to give them those learnings earlier and maybe help them from not having to step on every single landmine that we stepped on. I think that that's so important and so crucial. And I'm sure uh, why you, you probably see Lori as a great uh, ambassador and, 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 and mentor as well in this space, because she cleared the path for some of the things that you've done and especially mm -hmm. me as well um, for, for a number of things. And I think mentorship is huge. I know um, in what both of you are building. Um, but I think it just keeps coming back to you both are helping um, everyone just become more confident being not being afraid to step up but i love that multifaceted approach of hey it's not just on not not just on the um the the individual contributor right companies need to be doing this uh having these initiatives and, and being serious about it as well and i think um just being uh, more companies being aware about it and having um to like both of you jumping into this and everybody trying to have this experience um all boats rise with the tides in my opinion now, Lori, let's talk to you about uh, about um, anything else you may may have to add there as well. Yeah, I think that just having more women visible in the B two B sales space is important. Um, that's the reason I took over Barb Giamanco's podcast because when she passed away in twenty twenty, it would have just gone with her. You know, it it wasn't going to be resurrected, and and it's an important you know, ongoing thing that I, I feel like I can contribute that offers new voices every month of, you know, women in currently in sales roles or in sales leader roles or in and around that. And so those kinds of things, we need more women to do it. We need more women to write uh, books on sales. If you go to Amazon and you look up top sales books, top 100 sales books, you know, see how many are written by women. Very few because we're in it. A lot of us are leaders and we're running teams or we're, you know, we're operators, but we don't have time or we don't make time, I guess, to, to actually document it or we feel like, well, who would want to read it? You know, like it's, that's just my story. That's how, but I'm saying people do want to hear your story. And I hope that more people I hope Alexine, I hope you write a book and yeah. I hope that because uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, because we get the same lists on LinkedIn, the dude mm -hmm. list, right? Like, oh, <laughs> another dude list of all the books that men have written about sales. That's cool. But there also, there's tons of books that women have written about sales and most mm -hmm. people just aren't aware of them. You know, one of them that I have on my desk, Love Your Team by Helen Finucci. 
Um, it's a really awesome book about sale for sales managers. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many there's, you know, I have probably 75 books or a hundred books that um, I'm going to be sharing with people that are written by women about sales and, and revenue growth. Ooh, we're going to share that on women in sales too. That's a good, that would be a great resource. That is like one of the top questions we get all the time. Same for podcasts too. It's the same situation where if you look for, a list of like top sales podcasts, it's going to very rarely include many women. So I, you know, the good news is I just did, um, uh, I just did a podcast with, um, two women from the women in sales community that just launched theirs. Um, I'm, I'm just launching mine with Sholly Reed. And so we'll have our right. podcast as well. So that's coming out, but, but yeah, it takes, I, I think continuing to also like elevate these resources too. So um, I definitely, you know, as I think about what men can do more, look at these lists or these resources or the people you're tagging when you're doing posts. I just posted about this maybe a week ago, but think about like who you're including and who's being left out because it's, it is wild to me. Sometimes I'll see a list of like, here are the top voices in sales and it'll be like, I don't know, 20, 20 people. And it's, there's no women on the list. So I'm like, you can't think of a single woman in our entire field that has had anything useful to say like that. I can't believe that. And, so, and, to, and you know, to, in people's defense, often they just, they're guys that just don't think about it. They just haven't right. thought about it. This is their yeah. world and they're open to it. And that's why I don't want to put them down. Yeah. You know, I want to help expand it, but people will jump on them. Like, what about the women, you know, and get all, I just want to say, hey, you know, that's great. Those are great guys. And there are some other great voices out there that we don't talk about. So let's talk mm -hmm. about those more. Yeah. And I think there have been definitely some men. I, I remember um, there's been several men who have actually done posts with like, hey, here are like women's voices to fall because they know that their audience is leaning more men heavy. Mine's like the opposite where sometimes I'll look at a post. And I'm like, oh, only women commented on this or like this. So I actually like have to like go the other direction a little bit. And um, and so I do I do think that's a really good step, too, is if you're um, if you're someone in the field, a, a, a male CRO or leader, and you're thinking about like, how can I make strides, like maybe sharing a list. And if you don't have a list available or you don't know a list of names, then it's okay to also just do a post and ask for recommendations and say like, Hey, I'm looking at my feed. It's, it feels a little bit um, off. I'm not seeing a lot of diversity in general. And so with that, who are some of the diverse thought leaders that you're following today? And would you mind providing me a list? And I think that's a lovely post. I think that's a wonderful idea and a way to get um, some new names and some new, some new people to follow. And that's a very organic way for us to all kind of like mix up who we're following and who we're listening to, because that's what makes sales really beautiful is like, there isn't a one size fits all. Like everybody has a different, unique selling style. And the more we can instill diversity in our fields in every form, then we can start to hear from new people and we can start to learn new practices and new methodologies. And it's going to make us all more well-rounded as sellers too. So it really only helps our fields across the board. No, that's, that's fantastic. And that, that's what I, I love about like what the, um, the SAS pros are doing right now of trying to pull people from, uh, you know, shout out to Darren, Darren and Eric on this as well. Um, really trying to get people from diverse backgrounds into sales, because to that point, Alexine, there's so many, um, uh, there's so many skills that you could develop from, you know, I keep coming back to that teacher or, or whatever, like there's so many different ways that they could help alter what, what you're doing and make you a completely different seller. It's just a matter of being out there and, and to Lori's point as well. I mean, I think it's just 
comes all down to awareness and needing more people um, to come out and, and, and say these kind of things. And, I, and I'm really excited to, to take a bigger step um, in that direction as well, because I think it's, it's just there, there's a huge need as well. Now, Alexine, before we move on to what you think the future is of, of, of the women in sales movement and what you're going to be doing next, I have to hear your comment on writing a book. Are you gonna are you gonna fulfill this, this uh, from what Lori mentioned? Because I think it's a pretty good idea too, with all your extra I, time. <laughs> you know what? Um, he'll probably kill me for sharing this, but um, my Christmas present this year from my husband, he went through and started manually transcribing every podcast I've done, and he's been working on it. He's a writer, and so he's been working on it like in the evenings, and he didn't tell me about it until later. I think he thought it was going to happen a lot faster. And then he realized like how many podcasts there were. So he's actually going through and like bucketing and figuring out like themes and organizing chapters. So I think that's a really beautiful gift. So the idea is that that becomes probably more of like an ebook resource. Um, I think it's going to take a few more months, but I, I hope to write a book one day. I don't know what it will be about. Maybe the journey, maybe the community side, maybe a little bit of everything. Um, I feel like I'll know when the time is right. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think it's in the future. I just don't know when, but I'm, but I'm very grateful to have people like Lori, who I consider a mentor to me. I don't know if I ever formally asked her, but I call her a mentor when she's not <laughs> there. So, um, I'm very grateful to have people like Lori who I've seen walk down that path and I've seen like take these, these steps and seen how, how well it's done for them and like how, how cool it is to see her book on all these lists and all these like podcasts and, so I think it's really important as we think about um, future women in sales is having people like Alori, um, like some of these early people like Trish, who who really led the way that you can look up to and you can see, okay, they did main stage speaking events. They did podcasts. They did books. Like I can do that too. It's possible. I love that. It's just all of the art of the possible and understanding that as well. Now, Lori, when we're talking, when we're talking to you about the future of sales as well, I think that uh, Alexine obviously has to have a big name in there. What would you think that she? What would you like to hear a book on her writing? Say, we're, say we're ten years, fifteen years down the road. What would you? What would you think would be really crucial for for her to write in a book? We're we're having our live brainstorming session here. Oh, gosh. Well, the reason I say a book is because it's the understood. Um, it's one understood way of expertise. People fall on the floor when they see that you wrote a book and it's silly because you say the same things out of your mouth, but just capsulize it, transcribe it, put it in a book and they're just mesmerized that you did that. So I, I don't know, you know, it seems silly to me and, and that's why I resisted for a long time. I had some self-published books that I did on tips and, and workbooks and things like that, that I used to sell at the back of the room. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I went through this last um, book process and, you know, it's been, it, it has some really interesting upside that, that I think is helpful. The other thing is that I just want people to see more proof of women's success in sales. And for me, that, that is a book, it's a podcast. It's, it's wherever people are more comfortable if you can do a podcast series with, you know, 300 episodes over time, like that's amazing. And, and that will be really good proof of, of expertise. And it will be something we can point to people to check out. And, and so I don't care how people do it, um, whether it's videos, podcasts, audio, you know, however it is. I just think we need to keep shining a light on those things and showing that there are other voices and women don't have to be fixed. They don't have to do what men do to, to be successful. 
we can bring our own point of view and we can be very successful doing that. That's, that's fantastic. That's a, a great way to, to, to start our, our wrapping up here as time as time is, is flying here. Lori, we'll stick with you on this one. Where, tell us more about what you're doing with score more sales and ultimately what you think the future of women in sales are as well. Yeah. So score more sales is my sales strategy firm and we continue to help companies figure out how to hire stronger sellers and stronger sales leaders and evaluate existing teams um, women's sales pros a couple years back changed our mission because of all the different women in sales groups that we decided to, to be the pipeline. We support all the women in sales groups. We put out a, a newsletter called the She Sells News that has upcoming events of all different um, women in sales groups. And we talk up sponsors to go, you know, talk with different people and and so I like to think of myself as, um, you know, kind of the middle middle person, like the channel, the pipeline. The channel so, sales is coming back here. <laughs> yeah, I'm the dealer. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to get him right to Alexine, and and so and I just love the up and coming ideas and and events and things, and I I just can't you know talk them up enough. So. I, I want to, I want people to know that Women's Sales Pros is a resource to find all the different things that are happening around the world of women in sales. I love that. Love that. Alexine, over to you. Talk to us about Women in Sales, uh, the, the company that you're currently running and, and where you see the, uh, the, the next couple of years as well. Yeah. So Women in Sales, we um, are growing really rapidly. We, we rebranded to women in sales. We were women in sales club. We dropped a word, but, um, we, uh, really did this rebrand at the beginning of this year, launched our Slack community. Um, our audience is about to eclipse 12,000 people. We have, I think to close to 2000 in Slack, like we're just growing really rapidly, but, um, the focus that you're going to see in the next one to two quarters is really us doubling down on events. And in particular, uh, really tactical sales content because we are good sellers. So not every event's going to be about women in sales or women in our field. Instead, we're going to elevate the voices of women that are in this field who are doing the work every day and who are really good sellers. And so we just that. did an event yesterday that was awesome with Lavender. And it was all about like prospecting and messaging. And we got super tactical and I only foresee us doing more events like that. We'll get into video. We'll get into gifting. We'll get into every prospecting strategy there is. And I think that that's going to really help elevate new voices, which is which is super important because I'm like Lori, where we're kind of like on these lists every every week. And I'm like, ah, where are the new people? Um, so we're going to elevate new voices. And then we're going to start to break into topics that were previously taboo. So we just um, added a new partnership with QuotaPath that we are going to rip into um, into commission, compensation, negotiation, and like really get into the nitty gritty so that people understand what they can do money-wise in these roles too. So um, the future is bright. The future is very busy <laughs> and <laughs> I'm excited for it. And I'm really grateful that Lori has built this organization that's really championing all of these women in sales groups, because again, if the goal truly for all of our groups, which it is, is to help women become better in our field, then we're not competing with one another. So there is no reason that we wouldn't support one another's organizations. And I would urge companies out there who are thinking about, should I do this one versus this one or that versus that? Figure out if you can find a way to support multiple organizations. Do that would both. be the, yeah, do them both. That would be the best case scenario. So 
Um, so the TLDR, lots to come. Stay tuned. I love that. Alexine, where can people learn more about you, the women in sales and everything else you have going on? Yeah. So me, I live and breathe on LinkedIn. So you can message me. I am very meticulous. I try to respond to everyone. Uh, we have a, a LinkedIn page under women in sales, literally under the words women in sales. We have an Instagram account, a little baby one that just uh, that just came out. And then we have our Slack community, which we are constantly linking within the women in sales LinkedIn page. So you'll see that link get shared everywhere. Um, that's really where more of the closer knit conversations are taking place. People will post about resume teardowns or like advice for negotiation. So if you want to be like really involved in a lot of the day-to-day and the conversations, definitely make your way to Slack. That's amazing. Lori, over to you as we wrap up. Where can people learn more about you and everything you've going on? Yeah, I live and breathe on LinkedIn too. Um, it's helpful if you if you personalize your message, if you're doing a connection request, because we get a lot of requests. And so if you say you saw this podcast or something, I'm going to go right to it first. Um, also womensalespros.com. I have a group of 50 women sales experts on there and you can click right through to their websites and they do consulting, training, coaching, speaking, etc. So that's a really good resource. And, um, we're on Instagram and Twitter and I don't know where else all over. <laughs> awesome. I'll make sure to, to link those all in the, uh, in the show notes here as well. Once, uh, once this is posted, but Thanks, Lori and Alexine want to say thank you so much again for, or for taking some time today and want to thank everybody in the audience as well for listening and stay tuned uh, for a couple weeks of a new 20% podcast live coming soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks thank Tyler. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world if you went to Apple and rated and reviewed the show for me as well, is this is a fantastic way to help grow the show and help to bring in fantastic guests and even more listeners to our tribe. So stay tuned for next episode and have a fantastic rest of your day.